This is the Road to Russia 2018 podcast. This is Road to Russia 2018, another top episode coming your way as we're less than three weeks away from World Cup 2018. What's up, Canada? Gareth Wheeler, Andy Petrillo, and John Conway with you. What's going on, guys? Summer's hit in the city. This is where it officially feels like the World Cup is around the corner because the weather's warm. I'm liking it. I I can already visualize the patios and the TV set up and people watching. Are we going to find out, though, yet if bars are going to um, allow drinking earlier? The games are like at 6 a.m.? Has that been made official? Because John Conway, of course, part of the Toronto FC coaching staff, the club was down at Toronto City Hall on Wednesday. Were, was anyone pulling the string saying, <laughs> we need to make this happen? I think the the premise of the whole thing was about winning the cup last year. But oh, I'm, yes, sure, yes. I'm sure some guys probably interjected, like, listen, we need to get, get yeah. to the bars before practice, maybe. A little <laughs> mimosa. Games. Mimosa's at 9 a.m. Yeah. Let's I'm go. sure that'll go over Serious real well. Serious question. Like, you'll be obviously listening here on TSN 1050, TSN Radio, but... You have training sessions that, that are going to be smack dab in the middle of games. How are you going to manage? We're going to have to get a lot of recaps and put it on uh, the DVR or PVR or whatever. And You'll get be watching the, the recap show I'll be doing. For sure. I'll be, yes, I'll be watching the recap show yes. on, TS, <laughs> on TSN. Right. Hosted by Andy Petrillo. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, at the same time, maybe you can just move practices to late in the day. That'd be amazing. To work your way. Don't you have that kind of pull? Uh, yeah, totally. I can make that happen. <laughs> Just be like, Greg, come on. We all know we all want, like, everyone wants to watch. Everyone. Yeah. You might have to convince a couple more people other than Greg. Okay. Okay. If, yeah. Do you know what? I'll, co- <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come in guns a-blazing to the BMO training ground next week, yeah. and I'll try to help you out. Have a word with Bez, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good word with that Chris Mavinga this morning. We were chatting with the French side. Because I told him, like, France. I thought I was going to, like, warm myself up to Chris because, of course, He's, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a proud Frenchman, very good young player for Toronto FC. And I said to him, look, I, I like France's squad. And then, then we started going through the players that they left out. He's like, no Benzema, no Lacazette. He's questioning some of the pl- player selections and thinks the team's a little bit too young. That's always the case now, though. And I feel that's with any big tournament when you've named a squad, you're always going to talk about who's not there first. That just seems to always be the case. Until they hit the ground running, literally in soccer, they're going to hit the ground running. And then you start to really assess the squad selection based on result. That's when you start to talk about who's on the team. But right. I just feel like that's standard. Whenever you know teams are named, it's, ah, look who wasn't there. I mean, I know we're going to get to some players today. Like, who's not there? And is that really going to hinder chances? It's kind of, it's kind of pretty natural. But I was just wondering, like, with TFC... I know because you got a lot of Americans, you have Canadians, so obviously they're not being represented. Vanderveel, obviously we we know Dutch mm-hmm. isn't there. Mavinga, I mean, oh, Italy's not there. Who's Seba going right. for? Like, I'm going to try to catch up with Kendall Waston of the Vancouver Whitecaps because he scored the goal for Costa Rica, which punched their ticket mm-hmm. to the World Cup. So th- there are MLS teams affected, but just this time around, John, Un- your, your team not untouched. Us, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately for the guys. Do you, say, do you say it that way? Unfortunately or fortunately? Because there's, there's a badge of honor. You want your players to play in the biggest competition, but you have league games as well. Totally. A double-edged sword, right? I mean, obviously you want to see these guys go and succeed on the world stage and the biggest tournament uh, in football. Um, unfortunately, you know, we have had guys that didn't qualify. I have, uh, you know, significant amount of guys that didn't qualify. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes over the next couple of years. But we could, to be fair, if you look at it, if we lost 
um, the guys that you talked about, if they qualified, the and were to was there Bradley, Altador, potentially Bono, like Delgado, yeah. you know, if. Canada. Moro got called stuff, in a couple times. Moral, I mean, I know he's injured, sure. but Canada. Canada, Canada? You know, I mean, yeah. if Canada, you know, sneaks in in the next one and does well, and Toronto C would not have a squad. We would, we would have. We would have like John really. would play. Yeah, you're going back in, baby. Yeah. I'll get the Epsom salt uh, yeah. bottle yeah. ready. You. <laughs> need more than that. I'm going to need a lot more than that. I'm sitting on the other side of the table here, <laughs> by the way, out of, out, out of reach. Well, we're, we're going to get into this week. Uh, into some of the groups, who we like, who we deem as maybe the two favorites to come out of each group. We will get to that in a few moments' time. Mm-hmm. But tons of news and notes this week. And, and Andy, I love your transition because th- the biggest story for me was Rajan Engel and being omitted from the Belgian side and immediately retiring afterwards. Now, Roberto Martinez, who, in my opinion, always thinks he's the smartest man in the room, uh, leaves him out of the side, even though he's at a top season with Roma, there was an online petition. 9,000 people wrote it to protest, and they were, they were all supposed to gather to publicly protest the fact that Nangola wasn't part of the team. Only 23 people showed up. So that mm. tells you a lot about how online noise is there. And, the fake rage, fake but, rage but sometimes. I, just, I think it's foolish not having one of your better players go because the manager thinks tactically he isn't that good of a fit. Does that? Are you buying that? Because I'm not. Yes and no. I mean, I can, I can understand... If a manager has a certain idea in place of, you know, who he wants, and then he already has the players who fill those positions. But I mean, is this not a personality clash? Something that we can even, we can, you know, also get into when, when we get into Argentina and a lot of people talking about, you know, Cardi not being on that squad either. But in this particular case, it feels like we've been hearing about a personality, personality clash between the player and the coach for a while. Um, He wasn't selected to be part of their world cup qualifiers at which point the player had already, didn't he kind of hint at that point that he was going to be retiring from international competition, only to get called in for a couple games in November, but then he was injured and had to pull out anyways. But then it kind of became official when he wasn't chosen for the World Cup squad. But it sounds a little bit like, and then didn't Angolan also take, to, was it Twitter or Instagram, one of those social media outlets, and he basically said some people can't handle with other people being real. Right. And then you, so you can go both sides on this because you can say it's really unfair that you're not going to pick the best player. Because what your personalities clash, your egos clash. You know your player's not a yes man. But then there's another part of me that's like, well, if you're not going to get along, can that not possibly be a disease on the team as well? And well, you're just trying to avoid you, how that. How do you guys look at it? Because I I would take the better player, even if there's a personality clash, and even if it he doesn't suit the way that you're going to play. You need more than one plan when you're heading into a World Cup. You need plan A, plan B, plan C. You're going to see different teams in different games. And to me, you want to have your best 23 there, no matter what. Absolutely. That's just my 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 opinion on it. Absolutely. That. If the guy's in form. And, and he is. And he is. Uh, the coach has a tough, tough sort of situation because he probably has an idea of how he wants it to go about things. But at this point, you come, up, come into the World Cup, it's once every four years. If a guy is on form, you have to seriously think about including him and maybe not shifting your tactics, but at least having him available that, as you said, plan B, C, D, E – against an opponent where something goes wrong and you need something, maybe they can come in and make a difference. And I think it could end up proving to be uh, a bad move. But I also look at the Belgian squad and go, they got a lot of firepower. Oh, my goodness, their they names. Do. Okay, but let me ask you this. So as, as a goalkeeper coach, and if you were to just kind of, let's just talk about goalkeepers now, right, and you had guys that you wanted to bring out, three or four guys, right? And one of them is an absolute superstar, but you do not get along. You butt heads quite a bit. What type of things, though, are you taking into consideration by choosing him 
or not choosing him. Like, I would think if you know you're able to handle him and he's not going to influence the other goalkeepers and you're confident that you can do that, you'd probably pick him. But if you're not confident you can control him, there won't be some sort of uprising, you'd probably leave him off. Like, what would go through your head? Uh, personally, I just think character determines a lot. I mean, you could be so talented that um, you're an automatic lock, but your character in this sort of environment when it's a four, you know, a month-long tournament, um, it needs to have the right mix of guys to be successful. I mean, this again, I go back. It's at once every four years. You need to have the right mix to get through. You need to have, you know, a little bit of luck, a lot of preparation, and a team that is bought into what's going on. And if somebody's in there, you know, messing up the locker room, then it's something that you got to think about before you go in. But but Martinez is saying it's a tactical reason. I don't. I'm not saying we have to buy it, but that's what the head coach is saying. And that's what I simply don't buy. Because if it mm-hmm. is for a tactical reason, well, then this manager is extremely naive, mm-hmm. thinking that this player can't help. And they've cut their team down to 28. The, the 23 men complete rosters need to be, squads need to be submitted by June 4th. But the, the fact that Nang, like you cannot make the case for me that Nangolin couldn't help this Belgian team. Mm-hmm. Whether being a starting or a spot regularly, you know, as as a as a player that can come off the bench, even I know he's a big personnel. I get all that, but I think you're limiting yourself if you're looking at things that way. If you're the manager, and that's why I have a difficult time believing that it's a tactical thing, and Me that's too. why I think it's a personality thing, and that's why I think Martinez probably, and nobody ever wants to hear this, but I don't know if he trusts that he has the ability ability then to keep that big personality in check and not have it permeate throughout the team. Which, if that's the case, then I mean. It really stinks, but you almost wonder, could that also be what's best for the team if that's the case? Well, it's a, it, look, it's, for me, it's the biggest decision that's been made because this Belgian side, like, they're not an underdog anymore. They're not a sleeper. They are a top five ranked They're ranked nation. third in the world. Yeah, and, and we can turn our nose up at the FIFA rankings, but based upon the quality of players, yeah. Andy, like you said, this team is a legitimate World Cup contender and making a call like this, it's a big one for Martinez. Yeah, uh, yeah. Listen, I agree. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, I go back to a, a, an article that I'd read about uh, Martinez making this decision, and he, he thought that Nangolin could not deal with being in a secondary position, and if he's in a secondary position, he may cause issues. Now, that secondary position is because of tactics, and and that's his decision that he wants to play a certain way tactically. But based on what he's saying about. He doesn't, you know, Martinez didn't feel that Nangling could could be satisfied being in a mm-hmm. secondary spot. Makes me think that it's a personality thing. It's a thing personality well. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, is it a, for, for me, it's a bigger call than um, Moro Accardi being left off the Argentina side. Would you agree or disagree? Huh, well, see, this one is also. Joint top goal scorer in the Serie A is mm-hmm. not going to play for Argentina. This summer, but when when you look at the players that are in the Argentina squad, like the attacking talent is just incredible, right? Yeah, well, and well, here's the thing. So you know, you read up a little bit more on it too. So Noah Cardi, um, who had what 29 goals in 34 games uh, playing with Inter Milan, he did play in a couple of their qualifiers near the end. Uh, wasn't involved in the beginning. But then you start to hear rumor, of course, it's all, you know, what, what's the rumor mill? I don't know. But you start to hear rumor that he doesn't get along with a certain player who happens to be really good friends with Messi. And was this a Messi decision as opposed to a manager decision? And then you start looking at, 
you know, Messi obviously is, is Messi and he's phenomenal. And, you know, let's, let's not take anything away from him. That goes without saying. But then you got, you know, Sergio Aguero who's dealing with, what, like a knee injury? He's got a knee injury, right? Or got something, right? Took a knock back in, in March. So He's been named to the side, though. I, I don't so know he's how been, you keep out an Aguero, Dybala, Higuain. So Higuain um, hasn't scored for the national team right since October years, of 2016. Right? It's been two years since yeah. he scored a goal. So if you're looking at firepower, now imagine this. Imagine if Argentina can't score. Now you're telling me you left a guy off the roster because he doesn't get along with another dude who Messi happens to be friends with? Right. Now you're like, mm, yeah. So you got Aguero who's injured, not saying you're leaving him off the roster, but I'm just saying, like, you're still taking a chance with the guy who may not be 100% fit. You have another guy who hasn't scored for so the national that, team. Is that years. a bigger call than you than no Nangle in on Belgium? I mean, they're both big calls. They're, they're big, but I just, I feel like when you, again, when you look at the roster and the health of Belgium, you're like, I think they're going to be okay. And then you look at Argentina, and you also look at what they went through in qualifying. You needed a hat trick from Messi in mm-hmm. the final qualifier in yep. order to get to the World Cup. And you just you see what this team has done or not done at Copa America. Like you see that there are still there's uh oh moments for Argentina. I just I don't know if they're putting themselves in the best position by leaving a guy out who has that kind of firepower. And now, and now their number one goalkeeper Sergio Romero has been ruled out through injury as well, and. Look, I'll bank on this team that they'll be able to create and score goals based upon the names, but if 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 that can be an issue with this team and their lack of a solid defensive makeup, I mean, can you really expect Argentina to go on a deep run in this tournament? No, no, you can't. I when mean, I start looking within their group and say, perhaps this opens a door for an underdog story, someone to pop up in Argentina by reputation, by the names on the back, maybe provide more substance than the actual squad. Mm-hmm. Can't disagree with you there, Wheels, because, you know, again, I go back to what I said about the Nangolin thing. The balance the coach has to make between p- selecting a guy who's in form versus maybe somebody that fits his ideal system. And I think, again, I think they got it wrong in Argentina. I think they needed to have Icardi included in this squad. Mm-hmm. So if we were to look at group, I know we're going to jump ahead. I know we're going to get to the groups. But if I were to look at group D, so you have Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria. Yep. What would realistically be the chances of Argentina not going through? Now, here's the thing about sports, the beauty of sports. They're unpredictable. You don't know. Who would have thought Italy wouldn't have made it out of their group in 2014? And, you know, there's, you look at this, there's another stat where champions of the World Cup, the following World Cup, they don't even make it out of their group. Mm-hmm. So that ended up happening in France. Like 1998, they won. 2002, they're out. In the group stage, 2006 with Italy, they win. They're out in the group stage in 2010. It's like really bizarre. So if that's the case, if you're Germany, you're sitting there going, oh, no, I hope that doesn't follow us. But all I'm trying to say is that it's completely unpredictable. Who's going to move on? Who's not? So if you look at Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, Nigeria, is it possible that they could not advance? Iceland's playing with no fear. They had a magical run through, through Euro 2016 where they played well against Portugal. They went on and eliminated England from that tournament. Um, You know what they're going to be about? Big, strong, physical team. They play Nigeria. Every World Cup, seemingly, Argentina plays Nigeria. These two countries, very familiar with one another. And then Croatia, a team that they struggled on the road to qualifying for the World Cup, but when push came to shove in the playoffs, were incredible. They just stepped up their game. They had a new manager take over, and the talent in that team is plain to see. I put Croatia as my favorite in that group. Agreed. Um, I don't just. I, and I, I, going I think that Argentina can be vulnerable, which, which again, will spin around to what does this mean for Lionel Messi? 
I, when it comes to Argentina, it's not even about the side so much as it's Lionel Messi. They have a new manager there. Like, I think that, look, I, I'm not investing heavily in Argentina doing damage at this World Cup. And I think that if you're doing so, then you're doing it based upon reputation rather than anything that's played out over the last couple of years. So if they're going to play sort of a style that's going to be high tempo, high pressure, they're going to be susceptible for counters yep. on the other side. So, in my opinion, I think that makes them very vulnerable. You just lose Romero. You got to rely on Mascherano and Adamende to to do some defending that under duress. That you know, who knows if they can do the job? I, you know, Nigeria is a team that I think athletically was going to pose them a lot of problems because the last time they played three uh, two in the last World Cup, yep. you know, it it, it, it probably could have gone either way. Again, I, I don't see Argentina finishing this group at the top. At the top, I, do you I see, see them Croatia. in top two? Yeah, they're in the top two, but you know, again, <laughs> it, it's going to really come down to. It's going to come down to can they get through Nigeria? Mm. Right. Crazy. I know. It's it's it seems so odd to say it. Like you're right, based on reputation, I want to say Argentina is going to go, and then I feel like it could be a battle between Croatia and Iceland, just because you know Croatia obviously has phenomenal players on that roster again. That have you know been there, done that. But Iceland, to your point, it's just it's like that snowball going down the hill, and it's getting bigger, and it's picking up, it's picking up speed, and they have no fear. It's, I mean, it's, they defeated it's England. Quite, it's not, but even in, in qualifying, they were still a very good side. Like if this wasn't just 2016. This is through the cycle. Now, mm-hmm. Gilfie Sigurdsson hasn't played for a couple months now. He's such an important player to the team, but he's part of the squad and likely is going to be able to play. But if he plays, he's their danger man, and they play very strong defensive football, and that's what we see in World Cups. I know that world football has kind of trended and gone in the direction where there's a lot of sexy attacking-based football being played. Just think about how boring a Defense lot of these games have man. been in last major competitions. Mm-hmm. Andy, you, you broadcasted them. John, you've watched. Like I've been on the radio side. A lot of these games have been dull because, mm-hmm. simply put, teams aren't willing to take risks. No risks. And if, if, if Iceland's a team that plays to that model and does it very, very well, they're going to be a difficult out for any one of those sides. And I know a lot of people are going to push them off to the side and not rate their chances, but I think they're right in the mix in a very competitive group. I love this group, honestly, because mm-hmm. I think every game is going to provide a little bit kind of a different intrigue, mm-hmm. different component. An interesting component of this group as well is Croatia and Iceland split their World Cup qualifying games. Yes. So they've already faced each other. They already kind of know what to expect. Maybe, to your point, Iceland playing with no fear, they're going to go out and defend like there's no tomorrow, and they're going to squeak one, and and, and on either any of these other three teams, and they're going to hold on, and they're going to surprise somebody with a one nothing win that's going to hmm. maybe possibly send them through. Yep. Uh, cannot wait for that. We'll give you some more news and notes. Harry Kane, the captain, captain of England, is he crazy to believe that England has a chance to win this World Cup? Why no Shakira? We'll get into that in a moment. And who's going to lead the line for Spain at this year's World Cup as well? All that coming up. Conway, Petrillo, and Wheeler with you. This is Road to Russia 2018. You're listening to the Road to Russia 2018 podcast. This is Road to Russia 2018. Wheeler, Petrillo, Conway with you. Off air, we're having the great music debate about World Cup and Olympic <laughs> yeah, anthems. Like, like, we're the people who should be debating music. I just want to say, Andy Petrillo, <laughs> you have a voice like an angel. <laughs> no. Don't tell does, her does, that. Does she, does she serenade you at home, John? No. No? It's, 
it's just a lot of yelling. <laughs> Define no serenading. You have a beautiful voice, Andy. <laughs> Thank you. See, I want everyone to know that in an elementary school production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, I was Joseph. Whoa! None of the guys wanted to try out because, you know, at that age, you're just too cool. So I ended up playing the boys' role, but I was Joseph. I should have just called you Josephine. Yes. I'm just saying. I was pretty good. All I'm right. just saying, honey. I ju- I'm just so, putting it out there. We'll, we'll get into the World Cup official anthem or official song. Um, it's controversial to me because of <laughs> who isn't part of the production. So oh, I'll leave that boy. alone for now. Uh, I, I, I want to get into a couple... Uh, other news and notes that came out over the week. Let, let's start with the France side, and, and I kind of alluded to them a little bit earlier. Adrian Rabiot, the central midfielder for Paris Saint-Germain, he was left out of Didier Deschamps' team, and he refused to stand to be on the standby list for mm-hmm. France. So every team, that's every squad that's been announced, there's a 23, then there's five or six players that are in reserves just in case of injury, then they can slide into the group. Well, Rabiot said thanks, but no thanks. Is this petulance... You know, in in terms of uh, on part of the player, or can you not blame him considering how short these off seasons are for footballers? And he's kind mm-hmm. of in a position where don't waste my time if I'm not going to be part of your plans. So, what did we talk about in last week's podcast? How is Didier Deschamps going to deal with all these superstars that are on France's team? Mm-hmm. Not that other teams don't have it, but it really already is feeling like. And and given the history, you know, France, we keep going back to the 2010 World Cup and. We've seen players revolt in the past, and that's the big question. Can he handle all the superstars? Can he handle all these egos? And this suggests to me, yeeks. So there's a part of you already that's like, oh, no. Like a player who's not even... You know, listed to the twenty-three man squad, not even on the on the reserve, you know, squad list on the side there yet. Already is kind of displaying the very personality we're sitting there going, oh no, when it comes to France. There's there's the one part of me, the ego part of me, the competitive part of me that completely understands where he's coming from. The this tournament is once every four years, and it's like, are you kidding me right now? Like I, I'm done, I'm out. Don't even insult me that way. Then there's another part of me that says, never say never. Right. You don't know what ends up happening. I mean, knock on wood, you don't want anyone to get injured, but you know, door closes for one person, it could open for you, and next thing you know, you're in the World Cup, and you could have the best World Cup of your life. You've now shut the door on yourself. Mm-hmm. For that possibility happening, I think, I think you know, a lot of players sometimes I think need to take a breather because how many do we hear announcing their retirement from the national team when they don't get selected to the Euro team, when they don't get selected to World Cup? And it's like sometimes maybe you just need to take a breather before you do that because you never know what's in store for you. And I feel like he was given that chance to at least be on the reserve list, and he said no. I don't think that was a good move on his part. Right. Poor John? choice. Poor choice. I mean, not just for the sake of uh, what happens at this World Cup, but I think future World Cups, he's young enough where he could probably mm-hmm. play in another one, maybe two. Um, the Federation is going to look at this uh, in the future, even if Deschamps is not the coach, and say, hey, what happened uh, you know, in 2018 when you decided to just bail on us? Uh, we're not ready to bring you back in. No matter what his form is, maybe they just say, hey, see you later. So I think it's I think it's a poor move on his choice. Well, other players could have done that as well. Lacazette, Benzema, Martial, like he's not the only big name player that's off left off that France side. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm intrigued because I made them my pick months ago, but now I'm feeling uneasy about this because this is a French team where you really got to question the manager whether Deschamps has complete control of this group. Then you start thinking about the makeup. It's a very young team, somewhat petulant at times. 
perhaps the reason for success at Euro 2016 is, well, they hosted that tournament mm-hmm. as well. I think they're fortunate, and we can take a look at Group C right now. France, Denmark, Peru, Australia. It isn't a very strong group, so perhaps they can ease their way into this tournament. But when you start looking at all these different factors that plant seeds of doubt, you know, perhaps they shouldn't be considered one of the favorites like like we assume Brazil, Spain, and some of the other countries should be. Am I wrong? Like I've been so no, bored with that. I, I, listen, I, I think I think France is is going to be up going to be up for a challenge here, especially because first game is against Australia. I think Australia's sole focus right now is how do they get by France in that first game, or how are they preparing? And they got a lot of time to do it. They generally play well at World Cups and big tournaments. Like listen, their manager is going to have them ready. He coached the Dutch to the final in 2010. I mean, it's, it's not his first rodeo, so I think. You know, they give him time to prepare, and he's going to have those guys ready. If he senses any sort of turmoil within uh, the team in France, he's going to exploit it in his tactics and whatever he can do. And I think it'll be really interesting. Obviously, um, that game is a huge one for Australia. I don't see Australia advancing, but that game is going to determine France's run in this World Cup, I think. Right. And you you wonder, though, how much confidence they've built up. I mean, Australia set a new record for games played to qualify for the World Cup. They went the distance. They played 22 games. And without getting into, you know, the logistics and, you know, how qualifying works and, you know, the the certain sections. But bottom line is they had to go the distance. And they set a record of 22 games played. You can learn a lot about each other. You can learn a lot mm-hmm. about a squad. You don't know if that ends up helping or hindering. But uh, all I keep thinking about 2014 was Tim Cahill and that ridiculous ridiculous strike that volley mm-hmm. that was pretty phenomenal which you know a lot of people were saying that was the goal of the 2014 world cup tournament um but for me france again it's like who's going to be that leader of all those superstars you know paul pogba has kind of turned around and said i like i will take that i have no problem taking that because even though you could say hugo Lloris is the guy what can a goalkeeper really do in net you know, like at some point you kind of need somebody out in the field or so. It just feels a little bit different. I'm not saying that goalkeepers can't be leaders, but it's almost like who's out there with the players that has that leadership quality. And, you know, uh, Koscielny's obviously not there with injuring himself. And, and Mendy hasn't played all season. He, yeah, he had come back from an injury. And Mbappe, like these are very talented young players. And yeah. just whether they will be up for it or not. It's going to have to be um, – Conte, for me, in the middle of the park, he can run for days, but, I mean, he's more of a silent leader than anything. So, I don't, I, 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 I think this France team, it's incredible the talent they left off the side. Then you look at the side and say, hey, perhaps they're not as strong as we all perceive. Again, perhaps a little bit of an Argentina story, but the difference is Argentina is a tough group for me. Denmark with Christian Eriksen, I mean, they, they did very well through qualifying and deservedly punched their ticket through a playoff, but... Australia and Peru, I just those two teams look a little like potentially a step off for me. Yeah, and, well, but here's so here's and an I'm interesting thing. I'm trying not thing. to make it like a European bias here, but no, um, I, I just don't see much in those teams. There'll be difficult teams to play against, but that doesn't mean they'll have enough to kick on. Listen, and do in order to qualify, France was in a group where they beat out Sweden and the Netherlands, right? So it's not like they had right. a, a straight through qualification. Denmark was in a group where Poland was on fire. Yep. Um, so what are you supposed to do there when was it Lewandowski scores mm-hmm. like 16 goals, which ends up being a record in European qualification? Like, 
you know, so they had they they really worked hard to get to where they were too. Denmark methodically then broke down Ireland. Like it was yeah. it was incredible what they were able to do against the Irish, who again are a bullish, difficult team to play against because of their physicality, but they were just another level. Yeah, it really was. But here's a, here's another thing: if you're a France fan, and I don't know how much you buy into trends, or you're like, well, they're completely different teams, so how much does history really matter here? But every time France has done well at the World Cup. Their next World Cup is a bomb. Right. So like I said, 1998, they won. 2002, they don't make it out of the group. 2006, they make the final, lose to Italy. Yep. 2010, don't make it out of the group. 2014, made it to the quarterfinals. What's going to happen now? Yeah. You almost think there's, I mean, it just, there's that trend of do really well, stink. Do really well, stink. Quarterfinals, I would say, is, you know, it's, a, it's pretty good. You made it out of your group. You made it past the round of 16. So I don't I don't know if you if you buy, if you pay attention to that kind of stuff if that matters to you, uh, what does that tell you about what France right. is going to do next? Can either of you make the argument that anyone else will come out of that group other than other than Denmark and France? I can't. I can't. I can't, I can't either. No. You know, somebody might play a little bit of a spoiler, but in, in regards to somebody taking a an, an early loss, but that'll that'll get even out in the in the in in the midst of the whole group. I think Spain's in Group B. Um, are they the best team in this tournament on paper? The the only question I have is Noel Varo Morata left off this team, uh, was central to their attack at Euro 2016. I guess it's going to be Diego Costa. They have other mm-hmm. good attacking players and Asensio, Lucas Vasquez, uh, uh, Isco likes to push up a little bit forward and play off the front man. But that would be my only question with that Spanish team because. Uh, they have a good mix, good balance between experience and young talent coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be the best team in this tournament. Well, this is funny because when I was writing down my Group B, uh, I mean, it, so for no doubt to me, it's Spain and Portugal moving through. Right. But then I was just trying to figure out who's going to be one and who's going to be two. Which and matters. I, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh, Spain right away. Then I'm like, well, wait a second. I also kind of feel like Portugal's been on the up and up, and obviously given what they did in you know Euro 2016, but it was also just what they were able to do through qualification. And I just feel like I can't even believe some people. I was reading up on some stuff, and everyone's like, oh, Ronaldo passed his time. I'm like, who are you watching? Yeah, what, what like what games are you watching? Um, so I just think they're so strong. But then and, I and started, the most important part about Portugal. Andy, to back on uh, to, to have your back on that mm-hmm. is their manager Fernando Santos understands what they need to do to win. It's not an attractive style. Like for year year after year, when Portugal would fail with Cristiano Ronaldo leading the line, he would play up top, isolated as a lone striker, and the rest of the team just would be chasing shadows. Yeah. It wasn't good enough. Now everything kind of links together much well. They bought in defensively and become a much better team because of that. Yep. So to me, I was like, right away, Spain has to be number one. Then I looked at Portugal. I'm like, ah, but this is still pretty strong. Then I kind of went back to Spain because I'm like, well, they did end up losing uh, you know, 2-0 to Italy in Euro. Then they went 18 mm-hmm matches undefeated and i'm just like hmm i don't know it's not like even though in 2014 when they didn't make it out of the group stage and they finished last we kept saying this was it this was the end of the dynasty i felt like they turned around and said don't count us out yet because the young players coming through are just phenomenal so i'm still kind of confused who's going to be one and two my gut wants to say spain one portugal two Mm-hmm. But now those are the two teams moving. Listen, forward. I'm with I'm with you guys, Spain and Portugal. But there's something that I that I came upon when I was when I was looking through this group is, and we talked about this a little bit. Earlier, defense wins games, wins World Cups. I mean, some of these a lot of these games are ugly, but the defense needs to stand strong the whole tournament. Spain 
in qualifying, 10 games, three goals conceded, yet they scored 36 times, That's, which is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, De Gea, six clean sheets. Morocco, eight games, one goal conceded. They went the entire third round group stage without conceding a goal. Nine hours worth of games. Okay? Iran, 18 games, five goals conceded. They went 18 hours without conceding, which is like two years' time worth of qualifying. Mm-hmm. For me, you look at these teams and you say, okay, Portugal, firepower, Spain, firepower, but you're going against sort of the two lesser teams in this group that are very good defensively. Are these teams going to break them down? Or is this? are these teams going to try and sit back, defend, which I assume they will, and try and rely on the fact defensively they can withstand enough to maybe well, squeak a streak it's, it's draw. It's something with the red. Yeah. Um, Portuguese head coach Correct. and Carlos, Carlos Quiros. And one of the things that stuck with me from last World Cup is how it took a Lionel Messi wonder strike to break down Iran in 2014 in a 1-0 win. Like, you know how they're going to play. That's why, for me, and, and sometimes in these tournaments, it's the order of games which matter most. Portugal plays Spain in that first, first game. game and then Morocco in the second game. And if yep. Portugal loses to Spain in the first game... That second game... Ooh, exactly. It's a pressure cooker when you might be trying to kick on and be able to score a goal. That's why that first game for Portugal is, for me, a don't-lose scenario. I don't think it's going to be a great game because Mm -hmm. I think that neither team wants to lose. I think both teams are comfortable. They can rack up the score against, if need be, against those other teams. But that first game, that, that just jumps off the page because it might be very good or it might be very bad to watch. See, what you just said to me, it's like I almost like I got excited just because it's Spain and Portugal and you think that's going to be a great group to watch. But if you're telling me those other teams are as strong as they are defensively and could sit back, that could, ironically, with Spain and Portugal in it, be probably a pretty sleepy group. And by sleepy, I mean, like, is that going to be boring? I don't think it's going to be boring because, you know, you got arguably, I don't know, a dozen of the best players in the world between those two teams, mm-hmm. if not more. So you're going to have some excitement, but I actually I do think that I don't want to overlook Morocco and Iran in that they could pose a some difficulty. Morocco got through a group, down. by the way, with Ivory Coast in it. So, I, I mean, which is really being one of the better African nations mm-hmm. in recent years. So... Um, it, I think that's a point well made, John. But to bet against Portugal or Spain, you'd be, I'm foolish. You'd be foolish. But they can play a role. Conversely, where, where Portugal-Spain might, might be a don't-lose scenario in that first match, that first game for Port- Morocco and Iran, if you can come out with a full three points. Jeez, yeah. And, and then you play really defensive and try to sneak out a point. Then that's how you really have an influence on that group. For sure. So it's the order of games in that group that's the most interesting thing for me. And whether it's going to be Diego Costa that's leading the line and, and not without Alvaro Morata. Uh, we'll deal with England's chances next. Their new captain believes they have a chance to win the World Cup. I say he's crazy. <laughs> I will go through some of the other groups as well. Gareth Wheeler, Andy Petrillo, and John Conway with you. This is Road to Russia 2018. This is the Road to Russia 2018 podcast. This is Road to Russia 2018, less than three weeks away. You can watch the entire tournament on Canada's sports leader, TSN, CTV, and listen across the TSN radio network. Gareth Wheeler, Andy Petrillo, 
John Conway with you. I'm not a big guy for reading the back pages in the UK and some of the rumors and sensationalized headlines. But when I see that the new captain of England, Harry Kane, who Mm. I, I think they got the right man, Gareth Southgate, gave his one superstar player in his squad the captain's armband. I'm fine with that. But you, when, when he comes out and says, and you got to be mindful of this, especially in England, that he believes that England are good enough to win the World Cup, he's got to be having a laugh, right? <laughs> like, even if he believes it, deep down, you simply don't say it because then all of a sudden, one, you're going to be laughed at, or two, people are going to actually believe you. That's PR 101. Sure, he has to believe it. He needs to believe it. Or else, why are you playing in the World Cup? And why are you the skip? But I don't say everything that I think. But you have to be careful (laughs) because, exactly, when you put something out there, when it's now in writing, when it's now been recorded, when it's out on video, it will be held against you. It's unfortunate. It's sad. I think it's stupid in many ways. Having said that, if they end up winning, my goodness, doesn't he just look like a genius and everyone's going to call him for the lotto numbers? They're not winning the World Cup. Come on, you think that England have a chance? I just, I, I, I'm so scared in sports to never say never. Honestly, I have just that, that's Vegas, Leicester, exactly <laughs> that stuff. I have said publicly, right. and it's come back to bite me. Head City Royals, yeah, um, but look. England fascinates me. Right, the third youngest squad, you know, in World Cup history. Um, obviously, Harry Kane, he, he really is incredible. The players that are out there. There was one thing that Gareth Southgate said that I actually was like, you know what? Yeah, I kind of buy that. This is what he said he does not want to think and what other people think. He's like, you know, well, he ha- you know, he's the best player, but he's young, so maybe we should pick a lesser player who's a bit more experienced. He's like, I don't want to abide by that anymore. The guy's good. I don't care how old he is anymore. And Rio Ferdinand actually came out, too, and said that there were many World Cups. And, John, you brought this up last week um, when you said, of course, you know, they're putting a squad together that they still think is going to give them a chance to win now. But don't kid yourself. They're also looking at four years from now. Mm-hmm. And Rio Ferdinand came out and said, you know, my first World Cup that I was picked for, I didn't see a second of playing time. He goes, but it still helped me just to be there, to be a young person, to be there and experience and see how things go down from transportation to venues, to the crowd, to the pressure, to the media, just absolutely everything. You're soaking up the atmosphere. The next time you go, you're a little bit more comfortable and you really feel like you can dominate. So while I feel England, yeah, they're young and they have, they feel they have the chance now, they're also laying the groundwork for four years from now as well. But I don't know. They're, they're intriguing me because I, I sometimes think when you're young, what do you have to lose? Like, what do you care? Well, I, I would agree with you for any other nation than England. Like, because mm. because England have been burned. The, uh, the 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 nations coming off a of Euro where they lost to Iceland, where it looked like the the draw had completely opened up for them. So even when they have a glimmer of hope, they completely fail to excite, enthuse, impress on the international stage. Like this is year after year. Like, no matter who they have, like the golden generation. Think about the players that came through and were able to yeah. do nothing. Rooney, Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes, Ferdinand. Go through, like, some of these teams are like, how did these players not be able to get it together? So why should I believe in this group, John, that has really done nothing as a collective and look like they are in way over their heads? You're, you're absolutely right. If it was any other country other than England, I would say the same thing. But it's it's England, the press and the attention and the pressure that are going to be on these kids is going to be maybe insurmountable for some of them. That's the point of this, though, I think, and this is where it goes back to my point. Maybe this is the warm-up to the next World Cup, and they get a feel of what it's like to be under the gun, spotlight on them from not only their country, 
every other country who follows English football and watches the Premier League and watches these players week in, week out. Can they handle that? I'm really intrigued by this, by this, by this team. I'm happy to see a, a guy like Pickford in goal. I'm not so certain he's going to be the guy. Could be which is, Could be Button. And it actually could be Nick Pope, which is crazy to say. And the only reason why I'm There's saying is... backup to Tom Heaton to start the year. He got his chance based on an injury. Which is crazy. But he played <laughs> 34 Premier League games. He's given up 35 goals. Yeah. That's a pretty good record. Whereas the other two were conceding... A lot more, I think. But Pickford also gave with, with, with the team they pl- teams they play. Correct. On. Well, Jack Buckland actually led uh, the Premier League with saves, 144. So sure, his yeah. his goals conceded were high, but oh my goodness, he got blasted. Now, now again, I look at it, I talk about defensively because obviously that's that's my mm-hmm. my my field of expertise, sort of on the defensive side of things. If they're going to play the three four two one, which sounds like they're going to, the best bet for me is go with Pickford. Pickford's feet they're very good they could be they could be vital in this in this world cup with helping them play the way to play can he make the saves on the other end as well we'll see it's a very defensive setup too like england that's generally a team that's believed is better driving the play that team in that shape and that setup is looks better on the counterattack, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. Because if you, I mean, you figure with Kane, Sterling, and then who, who, who you throw, who else well, do you throw? Deli Lingard, or 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 and Lingard. I, I think that Rashford and Vardy might Rashford. sit on the bench. It's going to be interesting to see who ends up playing. Yeah. But I, I I raised it last week. I really questioned their central midfield. Yeah. Um, but that is the system he's using. Clearly, three at the back. Clearly, I agree with those three up top. With with some pace, can they use this sort of defensive structure to get on the counterattack with those three and have them create? Might be it. Might be a good way to go for them. Right. Panama and Tunisia also in that group. The last World Cup, England and Italy were both in a group with Uruguay and Costa Rica. Guess who came out of that group? Mm-hmm. Wasn't Italy? It wasn't England. I don't think that <laughs> Panama or Tunisia will come out of that group, but. As Andy, as you said, crazy things happen. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. But Listen, to me, that has right to be now, Belgium, England right no there. No chance Panama gets out. <laughs> they look a mess, and they benefited from the fact they played CONCACAF games in Panama. Correct. Away from Panama, completely different they, team. They, and they've relied on sort of an older group of players that are slowly falling apart. Right. And I don't think they're going to make it through. So there's so much more I wanted to get into with England, but this is something that we can talk about next week, about the breaks, because I think it's really important. It's been brought up once again. Does England not show up on the big stage because, unlike other leagues, they don't get a break? And one thing that was discussed about with Harry Kane, Euros, is that he looked exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know the PL wants to take a look at that, but before we go, why don't you air your beef about who's doing the FIFA World Cup song? Will Smith is coming out. We'll be releasing the official World Cup song. They have a popular global artist come out each year, have some catchy track, which will play incessantly over the course of the term. Is Will Smith with who? Couple of people I've never heard of. Come on, he's a proud Philadelphian. Jimmy like Jam. No, but who are the other ones? Oh no, no, no! I just had it right here. So oh, he's with Nikki. Jam. It's Nikki Jam. Jam. Oh, Nikki Jam. Yeah, and Air. Uh, I'm I'm really bad pronunciation. Is it Era Estreffi? So I'm, I apologize if I said that wrong. And but- Diplo. And, and, Dip- and Diplo, oh, Diplo is part of that, correct. too. Love Will Smith, but you, you, your heart's broken. Well, I used to love Will Smith. Sorry, Philly John Conway over there. But I want Shakira to do every football <laughs> anthem there is, not only because she's, a, she's an artist that appeals to, the, to a global audience, but also she's involved with the sport. Like her husband's Gerard Piquet, who mm-hmm. is the ultimate winner and probably the footballer I'd want to be more than anyone else. 
Yeah. Married so- to Shakira, Barcelona, Manchester United, Spain. Are you kidding me? Waka Waka. He lives a life. That was a good track. <laughs> After a while, many listens. <laughs> Anyone else on board? Hips don't lie. Oh. Hips don't lie. Hey, I, I like Shakira I like too. The hips don't I'm just lie. saying. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get into some alternative <laughs> artists next week. Maybe Andy will come up with their own World Cup you song. You said I have a voice of yes. an angel, so maybe I'll produce something for next week. Okay. And yeah. if if you're a Poland fan or or any of the other nations that we didn't bring up your side this week, we'll make sure we get to it next week. Thanks to John Conway, Andy Petrillo. I'm Wheels. This is Road to Russia 2018.